Hi there, welcome to an episode of an Inside View podcast in association with On The Ball Team Building. I'm your host, Jamie Finn. If this is your first time listening, please do go back to episode one and have a listen. If you haven't done so already, please do click subscribe. There is a business or sports person in each of us, and we hope that our guest stories will help our listeners to chase their dreams. Welcome to episode 5 of series 2 of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. Big shout out to Vintry Harbour Asset Management and the Shire Bar and Cafe in Clarny for the continued support. Thank you very much guys. This week I'm delighted to be joined by Riverdance star Tomas O'Shea. In 2014 O'Shea won all other minor medal with Kerry and also won a Holden Cup medal with Pubis Girl Corcoguina. Tomas is an extremely talented Irish dancer and, and has performed all around the world with Riverdance. Having recently returned from performing daily for a month in Dubai, we sit down with Tomas to discuss his journey so far, the show that is Riverdance and hopes for the future. There is no doubt we have a huge amount to cover, so let's bring him on. Hi Tomas, first of all, thanks for taking time out to come on Inside View podcast because I, I know you have a lot on at the moment. How, uh, how are things back in Ireland? Things are a lot colder here, Jamie. Anyway, I'd much be in a, in your position in in the warm weather, but um, yeah. it's great to be back for Christmas. Uh, I love that time of year. So, while the weather and, and the crack was great in Dubai, it's nice to be back to back to uh, Christmas and having having the crack with friends again and family. Yeah, back to back to normality as as they say. I'll be back normality. Yeah, yeah. Once once this is out now, this podcast will be out around Christmas Christmas Eve. So, um, I'll be. Hopefully, you know, he's still, if restrictions aren't in place by then. <laughs> no, we might, we might get a loop around that. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> um, look, I know you you spent a, a month in Dubai um, with Riverdance. Do you want to just go through that experience? How was it? And and uh, were you, was it as you expected? Yeah, so Dubai was, Dubai was class. Um, I've heard and seen a lot of, lot of things about it from friends being over there and just the lifestyle over there is amazing everybody's so nice it's so safe over there the weather is just top class um obviously it can be a bit too hot during the summer but when we went over there in september to or was it october to do a bit of pr it was very very hot and i found that very hard to acclimatize to that because i was we were we were dancing outside one of the times we were in the desert for four o'clock in the morning and we had to do PR there. So we were dancing on the sand and actually the desert wasn't, wasn't the hardest part. It's, it's when we actually went to the expo and we were dancing around the, the water fountain and um, all the different pavilions. And that was, that was, that was very tough. Yeah, that was, that was very hard. We were on top of the, the Burj Arab as well and um, the view of the Palm. Um, so like, it was just incredible. Um, and I'll see the month then was the weather was a bit bit cooler, so it was much more enjoyable. Um, although it was very tough. Uh it was probably one of the, the most strenuous tours I have done because 90 minutes of solid dancing, there's no break. So in a normal show, it's two and a half hours, but this this show, because um there was no break, it was just very, very tough. Um and they're constantly they're constantly um you're, you're just working really hard and they're actually doing a study at the minute now to see um that there's a crew out in the uk tour at the minute and they're doing studies with them they're going to some college over in the uk and they want to study how hard and how physical um riverdance is on the body so when those when those um results come out now it'll be very very interesting because obviously you are going to be very, very fit, but you know, in the exercise, when this, when you dig down deep and go into the actual physiology and exercise physiology of it, you know, it's it can be quite technical, and it will be very, very interesting to see how, you know, how much of our max heart rate we are at during during the performance. Yeah, that's something I want to delve into, like because um, it's actually my first time seeing seeing Riverdance at the Expo, and first time I've ever seen him, and I was absolutely blown away. The intensity is is phenomenal. Like, how do you get yourself pumped up for that? Um, you know, obviously once off shows probably aren't too bad, but day in, day out, mm-hmm. is there a routine? Um, I suppose before anyone goes off on tour, like you have to 
first mentally prepare yourself, but then physically is the most important thing. You have to, you know, you have to do two weeks, two or three weeks of solid training, you know, doing the routines in and out. Because if you go straight into, let's say, that Dubai tour, you know, like your body will shut down. Keep, you know, it'll just go for a week maybe, but if you're continuously pushing your body and exerting it to the level that we do day in, day out, it's eventually going to give. Um, but that Dubai tour, we were doing shows in the, in the expo and then we were doing these kind of masterclasses where we taught the, the, the general public, anyone who came along to the, the masterclasses, we taught them an actual routine or two from the show. Um, and then we were doing these pop-ups around the, around the expo where we actually danced three or, three or four routines. So that, that in itself was tough because that, they were early in the day and then you, you'd either have two shows that day as well or you'd have one show. So it was, it was quite strenuous on the legs, but um, you know, I'd, I'd say the level of uh, fitness that we've come home from, I was actually talking to a few of the guys that went back into the UK tour they found that show just a dream. They flew through it, you know, especially with the heat as well over in, in Dubai, like you're exerting yourself that extra bit more. Um, and then with the breaks as well in the, in the show in the UK, the guys just found it much harder because of how hard Dubai was. Jeez, that's, that's amazing. So the, the Dubai show has probably been the hardest um, you've done so in all your career so far and probably a lot of the other lads as well. It would have been, it would have been, yeah, yeah. But I was delighted to, to be a part of it and, you know, to be able to put my body through that and knowing that, you know, it came out on the other side, flying fit and you can do all the football training you want and all the gym work, but actually putting yourself through that environment, you know, it's, it'll stand to me for years to come. And look, let's delve into that a bit more. So you were saying there, you, you, you know, you go through training before you go over. Um, obviously, there's routine, but the physical training, what physical training would you do? Like, would you be on a program or have you been on a program? Um, I suppose that the main physical program that you would be doing would be prehab. You don't want to get injured on tour. Mm-hmm. The, the physical uh, exercises that you would actually be doing is just dancing. There's nothing like dancing fitness because you can, you can do all the squats, you all the lunges, all the everything else, but all the plyometrics, yes, they'll, they'll help a bit, but it's actually when you're dancing and you have to hit these, these numbers and these lines and these formations, you know, you, you can't actually train your body like that in a gym. It's just purely on stage and you have to just, you have to just bang out the dances um, one after the other. And that's how you actually get physically fit. Because it's 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 the you know obviously the the physical fitness is is absolutely you know through the roof. But like, how in the name of God do you get every single one of you in line? It's you know like in sync. It's absolutely crazy. That's the golden secret. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, like, yeah. Practice, practice, practice. Like, um, we really have to use our peripheral vision when we're when we're on stage, especially when we're dancing with others. Um, there's, as I said, you have to hit all these numbers on the stage. You have to hit these lines. You have to be in a certain part of the stage, at a certain part of the music. Um, but before we'd go out on tour, we would either gather in Dublin and rehearse there for a week or two, or wherever the tour is on, you'd just fly out there and there'd be a rehearsal space there. And they'd be very intense rehearsals. They'd be 13, 14, 15 hour days rehearsing just to get it absolutely pristine. Um, and there's no better man to do that than, than Parik Miles. He's the executive producer and director. Um, and he just knows the show inside out in the back of his hand. And he, put, he puts us through our paces. But that's, that's why the show is at the centre that it is. And 25, 26 years later it's why why it's still in such high demand it's amazing how um you know the, the, another thing that stood out to me was the fact that it has you know changed with um society and is adopted to society as well the way you have you know the spanish dancer and the the russian i think there's two rush two or three russian people and the the new york set was is cool as well that's yeah that's amazing like that's just it, it's it really kind of it brings in a wider audience as well doesn't it 
Ah, it does, yeah. It's, it unifies everyone on stage and, and it prides itself on diversification and inclusion. Um, there's, there would be 20-odd Irish dancers on a stage at one time. There's six Russian dancers, uh, two tap dancers and the flamenco dancer. And then you'd have a four-piece band on the stage and that can obviously um, change from venue to venue. Like Dubai now, there was seven, seven, seven band members. Um, and then the same in, there's more in, in the Tree Arena when we did the 25th anniversary show in the, uh, in the Tree Arena. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's bringing all those different cultures together and creating a show. And I suppose that's the vision that John McCulligan and Moya already had 25, 26 years ago. And they, they, um, they sat down, had a meeting and created a show. And that's, that's what it is. It hasn't changed much from 25 years ago. Do you know the way you, the pop-up shows actually, yeah, we, we were at Expo there one day and it just, you just, one of the shows, you know, you, you performed, um, on one of the stages there, uh, would you have seen with that show and the live shows throughout Expo? Did you see crowds growing because Irish dancing to you know to people in in the United Arab Emirates is mm-hmm. is kind of you know they, it's not something you see every day, you know? Yeah, it's it's not at the start. Um, I suppose down in the Middle East, you know, the the Irish culture probably isn't um, as popular down there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're certainly seeing that at the start. But then after four or five days, the word spread um, and those pop-ups were brilliant as well to spread the word. And the place was just getting jam-packed and jam-packed and they, they couldn't fit any more crowds in. Um, so we, we knew that ourselves anyway, you know, that the Irish dancing down the Middle East, you know, hence that that was the first time Riverdance was actually down there as a show for, you know, for, for an extended period. There's obviously flying squad gigs and all that stuff down, down before. But now from, from the expo and the feedback and the reviews that we've, we've been getting, you know, it's hopefully opened uh, a massive door for, for the show. And, you know, we, we're hoping to be back there again uh, in the very near future. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, because it, it definitely, um, it was definitely amazing. Jeez, it was, it was the, the crowds. And you know what you were saying there, the team. So basically, how, like, at any one time, so... Just to try and understand the dynamics. So the team of dancers, how many team of dancers is there overall? Okay, so roughly. There will be probably there's probably a team of probably 35, 40 dancers. Would you all go like would you all go to, for example, Expo? Are you all Expo would oh, yeah, yeah. among that? Yeah, yeah, we were all in Expo. Um, there was a UK tour going on at the same time, um, so there was there was tro- two troops. So I think at the end in the finale, I think most most of the the dancers and the performers are on the stage at one time. There's three, there's three massive lines, and I think they're all at the st- on on the stage at the, at the one time, band and all. And you were saying that the UK. So at the same time, the UK tour was going on. Like how yeah. many people? In G- overall is is in Riverdance you know what we'll say apart from the the musicians do you know what we'll say dancers um dancers I'd say there'd be well if there was 40 if there was 30 35 dancers in in Dubai mm-hmm. that had the the same thing in in the UK but the same mountain you get Jesus yeah and they had they had a particularly tough one as well because they had two shows every second day Jesus so Jesus. that was that was fairly tough on them now. How, how you know, like, so would, you know, for each tour, so is there that 35 would always be together and the other 35 would always be together or would it be kind I of... I know, it chops and changes. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. So how, yeah, how does that team dynamic keep, you know, keep together? Because look, naturally, when you have 35 people or, or whatever the case may be, you know, there's always going to be little subgroups there. Um what's done to ensure that the culture is is right especially when you're on tour for extended period period of time um first and foremost obviously everybody has to be at a certain standard of of dancing and performing um but a thing i think that the the team you know moya and and john and, and park and whoever the selectors are i suppose they they would have to know who 
you know, they, they'd probably look into the person themselves as well as just a, a genuine person, mm-hmm. you know, because it's obviously respect is a huge thing for every performer because we're out to do the same show day in, day out. You know, if obviously we're, we're holding hands with each other, so everybody has to kind of get on with each other. But everybody, like, there was never been... Like obviously, there's there's fallouts, you know, with certain people, you know, but that's that's just life. But there, that that's very 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 minimal when it, when it comes to this because everybody just everybody has a lot of respect for each other for what they do and for where they've come from to to be with Riverdance, um, you know. So it's just when you've like we, we treat each other the way we'd want to be treated, you know. So that's. And in comparison to a football game, there's somebody there trying to to pull the pull the jersey off your back <laughs> and praying to God you might get injured so that they can take your place. But it wouldn't be the case. But Wolverhampton's like everybody, everybody's there for each other and having the crack. And you know, if an argument or whatever just happens, obviously that's just part of life, and that just fizzles out and sorts itself out. And that's that's how it's done. I suppose the professionalism there, like um, you're all at a certain, you know, at, at an elite level, that if there is an issue, you know, the elitism and the professionalism would show because it wouldn't be brought onto the stage. Like, is there, has there been an experience that stuff didn't go right on the stage as a result of... of um Yeah, probably not. No, no. no. You, could be, you could be roaring the head of somebody backstage and when you go on stage, no. It's yeah. just down to professionalism. That's never... I'm not saying that people will be shouting the heads off each other backstage, but when when the when the curtains open, when the show starts, showtime. It's showtime, yeah. Every day is kind of opening day, really. So you have to just perform when you're out there. Oh, you know, like you were on and off um, during performance, and you know when you when you were gone off, you were never probably gone off more than a minute. What you used to do during that minute? Like how do you you don't change really recover? Costume. Is it change? What's the, how do you change so, that quickly? Like it's you know it's, there's a, there's a quick change. So like literally when the routine finishes, when you're gone off the side of the stage, you're ripping the clothes off you to go into the next next um, costume change. So there's 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 this big massive um I suppose boxes where all the costumes are kept, and that's usually right behind the stage because. Um, some of the girls and the lads have a very, very quick, quick change. Yeah. So it has to be as close to the stage as possible. We had, I think one from, there's a, there's a dance called The Wake. It's, it's the start of the second, of, of the second half uh, of the show where everybody just having a Kaylee. Mm-hmm. And then the lads, there's, so the male, the male dancer, the, male, the principal male dancer and two um, male Irish dancers are on stage with the two tappers. It's called trading taps. You would have seen it in the show. And after the wake, we had something like 30 seconds to do a full outfit change and go back onto the stage. So that was, and and we were were wearing fairly tight jeans for that one too. (laughs) Imagine with the sweat and everything, it was, there was a few uh, hairy moments trying to get those jeans on in you. Yeah, it's, it's, I just find it phenomenal. Like, but again, I suppose look, that's the that's the professionalism, and you know, to to perform at that level and, and that standard. Yeah, you're kind of like, if 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 you come off stage right, and you're coming on stage left on the other side, you have to preset your costumes there. So as you're running over to the other side of the stage, you're getting changed as well. Jeez. So you kind of have, to have your head screwed on a bit, a bit there, like because if you don't make it on stage, then obviously it's going to look out of place. Yeah, that's that's geez, that's that's phenomenal. It's and you know, like the fact you're performing every day. I suppose it's different if you're doing once-off shows. But for example, with, with Expo again, and and you know, I suppose a lot of shows you do around the world. How do you recover? Have you a routine to recover after after the, yeah. the dance? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think that's the biggest part of you know. Um, there are people there 10, 12, 15 years you know, and recovery and mining yourself is, you know, that's, that's a secret ingredient. Um, there's ice baths straight away after the show. We obviously warm up, stretch. Um, sometimes I bring a football with me just to, you know, kick around with the lads. And I wouldn't be somebody who would, you know, just stay static and, and stretch and all that. I'd rather keep moving, you know, run around, kick a ball with the lads. And that's how I get my, my blood warmed up and my legs going. 
Um, and then we got these, then the normal techs and the massage guns and uh, the foam rollers and stuff from a company in, in America, Hypervolt. Mm-hmm. And they provided us with those um, recovery modalities. So, you know, they, they're huge for recovery. You know, it's, if you don't look after yourself, you're just going to break down, you know. It, it's, uh, I suppose you still can't beat going into the Atlantic Ocean if you're, you're no, home, though, is it? Do, no, do, you, find, do you find that good, yeah? Yeah, I would. I would, yeah. Yeah, especially with, when, I was, when I was playing with Kerry, I had a few injuries and I just, I just, I was in the water seven days a week just to, to, to help the legs. And in relation to, you know, when you're performing, um, you know, you have the heart rate up, intensity up, and then you have your routine to recover. How do you get the heart rate down again and ensure you sleep? Because I can only imagine the heart rate, you know, yeah. would be at a certain level and the brain be gone as well. How do you, how do you deal with that? You'd have to have a wind down really after that because your the adrenaline is just constantly rushing through your through your veins and you know you'd be you'd be out chatting to the crowd after the show and they're telling you how, how much they love the show and all that crack. Um, we're supposed to get your to have a wind down. Um, like what's your if you don't want to talk about your routine, like what would what do you know people would do? Do you know in in general to to wind down? Everybody's kind of different. Um, some people see so depending on how late the show finishes. Um, some people would just go go off and have a drink in a bar. Yeah. Other people would just probably go out, go home and watch a movie or something, or read a book, or you know, the people have different things, you know, different ways and how how they, I suppose, relax after the show. Um, yeah, that's I suppose going for a pint after the show is probably the easiest way to to wind down because you'd, you'd have the crack of the lads and you know it's you'd, you'd have a good all night sleep after it yeah I, I can't imagine you have any issues sleeping anyway after performing like that or would you have soreness sometimes um soreness yeah you, you would the muscles like they would be sore after the show but you know the following day when you get them warmed up again you know they're they're back to normal but um in terms of sleep and it would be kind of hard right as as we were saying like just the, the adrenaline is still kind of in you and you kind of find it hard to switch off but um sometimes you'd be in bed and you'd be staring up at the at the ceiling just trying to <laughs> think of how to fall asleep but um it just kind of happens happens yeah no i, I just find it amazing the fact that you're you were doing that um day in and night in every you know for Oh, the two, four, three or four weeks you're in, here in Dubai. Um, so yeah, just j- out of curiosity, you, you're doing um, the pop-up dance, the pop-up shows, which is, we, we cover it, but when you were doing the dancing with the general public, you know, what was the, the demographic? Was it very much locals or was it people from an Irish, you know, Irish background? It was a mixture of cultures. There's a very, very wide um, mixture of cultures there. Um, a few people came a few times. There was locals there. There was obviously a lot of other cultures there. And we taught them the, the routine river dance, which is the iconic one with all of us in line, which is the one that everybody knows. Um, and it was, it was brilliant to mix with those people, um, teach them, you know, teach them the kind of Irish culture, you know, the, the way that we, we learned it years ago. Um, and it was just great to be able to talk to them and, you know, we'd be chatting to them as well and, and seeing, you know, if that was their first time coming to the show or would they go again? And it was just very, um, it was very nice to mix with, with, with people there. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine. It must have been, must have been amazing. It, 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 what, what you do is, 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 is amazing. Like, it's the, you know, you're obviously bringing the Irish culture all around the world and meeting some very interesting people. But what I lo- like doing as well with guests is I like to kind of, you know, bring it back to the start and kind of give my, you know, the listeners of an Inside View podcast um, kind of an insight, really, what, you know, what makes that person tick and their their uh, their upbringing. Um, so, you know, I know you come from a very musical background, but, you know, do you think experiences of your youth would have shaped you into the person you are today? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'd 
like when I was young, I I had no no say in me dancing at all. I had no choice. <laughs> My mom pushed me into it. My mom just threw me into it, and she was just say, she wasn't going to take no for an answer. Um, I remember there one time. I was like, it was my communion and following day, or maybe that day, I had to go off to a fish, a competition up the country. So like it was, you know, it was just full on. Um, obviously my, my, my mom and my dad were, were huge, huge role models when I was growing up. Um, they played a huge part in me. Um, you know, <laughs> I suppose if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be, you know, dancing and I wouldn't have seen a lot of the world um but yeah it's definitely definitely helped me um as well with the football when I was young um I got a bit of an awful time from some of the lads because of I suppose the stigma of Irish dancing being seen as a kind of a female kind of a thing but now looking back at it I suppose who benefited more from that you know so I kind of you're right turned a blind eye to that that kind of Shite. <laughs> and like you know obviously you know when, when we're all young stuff like that could, could kind of get to us but did it kind of get to you initially at the start or, or were you always kind of told just to ignore it no it, it didn't it didn't actually get to me i was fairly thick-skinned um and i seen the advantages it the, the irish dancing had for me you know the sport i was way quicker than other fellas i was able to you know zip in and out I had no injuries and I was very fit. And the people who were, who would be throwing comments and stuff were the people on the other side of the scale. So I kind of compared myself to them in the, in the sense that, well, I'm doing this, it's giving me all these advantages and look at yourself. So I, I, I never, I suppose I was very, like when you're dancing and mixing with other different people and, and like-minded people, it gives you a different perspective on life. Um, and it kind of, I suppose I was, I was, I was mature for my age and it just, it just didn't bother me because I obviously knew of Riverdance and I knew of friends that were in Riverdance and traveling with different shows and where they have been. So I kind of always had that as a goal for, for myself. So I was never leaving anything or anything that anyone else said to me get in that way. Like. I suppose it, it's it's funny. It's it's amazing how important it is to you know if you want to succeed in something is to surround yourself with like-minded people, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I know you obviously play football. Did you play any other sports? Um, hurling. Actually, myself, my brother uh, Ogie, uh, we were playing hurling there with. It was an amalgamation of Anreiltacht, Lespol, um, and Dingle. It was an under fourteen hurling team. Oh, um, we, won out, we won out the county championship under 14 we, I think we beat Kilmoyle or Ballyduff or something in the final um, and we had a serious team fellas, you know there was only probably a hand, handful of fellas that were actually playing playing hurling you know from a young age but myself my brother and a few other, the other fellas just gathered together and trained and then we won, won the, the under 14 final um, and then after in 2019, I think it was, 2020, whenever, before the COVID hit in, um, I was studying uh, in Limerick in the Institute of Massage and Sports Therapy. And during the time I was studying there, I started up with Shannon Rugby Club. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Jesus. I always absolutely love rugby. Um, so I decided to throw myself at it just uh, for a bit of a break from the football. Um after the year I had injury-wise with, with Kerry, I just wanted kind of a bit of a different different angle, and started up rugby. Never never played it before. Loved it. Always had a great interest in it. Um, and I'm just dying to get back to it now. And where did you play? What position? Uh, winger. Oh my Jesus! You must have been lightning lightning, well, lightning quick. <laughs> you're a fan of the crossfield kicks. I used to catch the I used to catch the rugby ball over my head, whereas obviously the rugby players catch it in. Close to the chest. I was kind of leaving myself open to get clattered there, but um, Jesus, the way I suppose the, the correlation between football and rugby, obviously, as well, it's, it's good as well. And did you, um, I would ask, like, how do you think all those complement each other? But I, I definitely think the, and you would agree, I'd say that 
the nucleus of, of everything was your Irish dancing, dancing and the quick feet, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was that was a secret ingredient, really. Um, and it's like the Irish dancing is com- becoming a lot, lot more popular um, to sports people. Mm. Um, like I've heard things of, of Messi having a great interest in the Irish dancing to be Who's able that? to Who's that Messi. Is- Oh yeah, Jesus. Yeah. And the AFL players. Yeah. The players um over in the States. Do you know your man? Um he's he's a he's a player, I think Buddha Buddha is his name or something on, on Instagram. He came he actually learned Irish dancing to, to help his agility and balance and coordination. So mm. I think there's a there's gonna be a uh I suppose a, um an explosion of the Irish dancing into the the professional sport. Um, a lot more um, so it's yeah there's there's only a matter of time really until I suppose they can they can see as well the the, the, the you know the, the benefits of you know river dance is a, is a straight line so we need to know what the person to our right and what to the person is our left are doing and that's obviously very important in, in sports like rugby you know if you're going to pass the ball to your right or you're going to offload it or fake a dummy pass you know, you need to know what the other person is doing. Um, and obviously in football, the, the backs need to know what the forward is doing and vice versa. So I suppose, it, it, um, you know, having the Irish dancing and the sports there as well definitely, definitely helped me along the way. There's definitely a research paper there, isn't there, at some stage? And a yeah. correlation between yeah. Irish dancing Absolutely. and... yeah, yeah. And you know, even like I hate, I'm not, I'm not putting you into. I always, I have a habit of putting people into retirement when I ask them questions, but I don't mean it that way. But you know, when when that chapter closes, we say eventually down the line at some stage, whenever that's going to be, um, you know, river dancing, Irish dancing. Do you think you you you'll do something else around Irish dancing? You know, there's definitely options going abroad, I suppose. And yeah, <clears throat> um, look, who knows. Yeah, I know. nobody knew. Nobody knew two years ago that the, the world would be shut down for two years. Um, but obviously, yeah, like I won't. I won't stop being involved in dancing somewhere or another for until the legs absolutely just gave in. Um, it's just I've been I've been a part, but it's it's been such a massive part of my life. Um and. I'd like to to continue doing that in some shape or form. Look, I suppose, Tomas, another thing is, um, just out of curi- complete curiosity, uh, I did Irish dance when I was younger, but sure, as you probably know yourself, I'm like a, a whale trying to move. But it was, I found it very interesting. And just like, how does, like, how are these competitions judged? Like, is that a weird, a weird question? Like, how, do you, how does people judge them? Is it very much subjective or is there certain things that need to be done um in the competitions like uh obviously it comes down to technique how well you can uh, pull the steps off you're like everybody every dancer when you're when you're gone when you when you walk on stage you have 100 marks so 100 marks is the top mark you can get and then for every i suppose not every wrong thing you do but if if your standard starts to fall then you get dot marks but if if your performance is just you know class and and you can't fault it then you'll you'll remain with the, with 100 marks um they take note of like an art in in the competitive side of it it's very very rigid your head is straight forward your body and your hands are down by your side your knees and your ankles have to be turned out um it's very very rigid compared in, in comparison with you know let's say the trading taps um routine that you would have seen in the show they're two very different styles of dancing um and going back to the com- competitive side of it it's like you know they're looking at your toes if they're if you're if you're doing a click above your head and your toes are locked up the ceiling you get docked for that and if you miss the click so when you're clicking you have to you have to make a sound if you miss the click you know you get docked for that and if your ankles aren't turned out which is very uncomfortable, very, very uncomfortable. Um, you get dock marks for that. Um, and obviously every dancer starts off with a lot, a lot of injury to start the dance, but as the dance goes on, 
you know you get you begin you begin to get tired um so that's 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 kind of the the general way that the judges would would mark a dancer oh, that's interesting no, I, I, just out, out of curiosity really um and just you know the way there's there's two different uh shoes obviously there's the one that makes the noise and there's the one that doesn't make the noise right there's, there's obviously proper terminology yeah, there like, now, but... and, and hard shoes yeah yeah what's the like does that just depend on the dancing routine or is there like an advancement as an as advanced as a dancer would would progress um no there's like in the competitive side of it you can only have there there's there's tap shoes so if you i don't know if you're familiar with, with what a tap shoe looks like mm-hmm. they're they're metal they're metal um tips so you've a metal tip at the front then you've a metal tip at the back so oh, you, yeah. you've a heel um that they're the ones that i wear they're called tap taps and there's a lovely crisp um clean sound of those some of the other dancers in the show they wear hard shoes and they're carbon fiber so they have carbon fiber tips and heels and there's a much more kind of a it wouldn't be as crisp as as uh tap shoe would be um but obviously in competitive side of it you can't wear those the the metal taps they're, I don't know why they, they don't let, let, let the dancers wear them, but it's only the carbon fiber ones that you can actually wear in the, in the, in the competitions. Um, and it's down to preference as well. Some people like it, like the, the carbon fiber ones, and some people don't. Um, I just like the sound of, of the, the metal tips. Yes, it's definitely, it's definitely nice. Um, and look, as well, you know, if someone asks you, or we all know and learn what river dance is, but if someone asks you abroad, what do you do and what is Riverdance? How would you describe it? It's basically what Ireland is about. It's a mixture of culture, um, diversification, unification, everybody on the stage having a crack um, and putting on a show. Ireland, like Irish people are, are known just for, you know, put it, putting on a show and um, performing. Um, I suppose what, what Riverdance is about you know, it's unity, mm-hmm. you know, people from all around the world coming to the one venue, doing the one routine together. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, it definitely does. Yeah, it does. It, you know, epitomizes what, what Irish is about, really, um, and what Ireland is about. No, 100%. 100%. And can you give us any insight into what the commitment is like away from uh those two weeks before you go away go abroad you know when you're not performing what's the commitment like when around that in terms of like, like how, how do you keep your body in check and like for oh, example yeah, yeah. If, if you're not going to be performing for a couple of weeks would you be would you do kind of you know would you do a dance or would you do stretching or what's the um well if i'm not out on a tour i'm back playing football yeah. so i i go from one next room to the other um that's uh, my body didn't kind of never, never really gets a chance to <laughs> um, have a rest, but that's, that's what I like. You know, that's, 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 that's where I get the buzz. Um, I remember in 2000 when we were doing a car new year or something like that, maybe in 2013, um, we, I was on a, I was on a tour in, in the UK and I finished the show and I flew straight into I flew straight into Farn Four or something, got a taxi and played the match with the with the school. Um and then in in 2014 or was it 14, I was in the Helix um performing and then straight after that show I went to Croke Park to play with the minors. So <laughs> that, that's what I, like that's what I like doing, you know, that it's um, a few of the commentators nicknamed me as the dancing footballer, and that's you know that's that's it's who I am, and that's like that's where I get my buzz. I, I absolutely love doing what I what I do, um, and I suppose obviously for it, it's different for other people. They they probably have to do some some gym to keep keep in shape, and prehab is is the most important thing really is that you, that we don't get injured, so that we are available for those tours um but like there's there's tours 
going out now in January for a six month US tour. Um, six months, is it? Jesus. Yeah, and then it goes into the gaiety, and then there's there's something else. I think in September. Um, so it's obviously people aren't available for every single tour, but you know when and if they are available, and if a spot opens up, you know you're 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 on the tour. That's, that's phenomenal. And, and do you hope to to be on that next year, or is it kind of wait and see? I won't be able to commit to that tour because um I'll be in college. You know, would you do stretching and stuff in the morning to keep the the body um loose, or, or like what do you do to make sure you don't stiffen? Um, I suppose. I I would I would, yeah you'd have to yeah you'd have to keep the body you know nimble and loose because if you're trying to kick your leg over your head and you have a tight hamstring you know <laughs> you don't have to be a clever man to to know what would happen next yeah so yeah you you definitely have to look after your body yeah like do you do you have a, a routine every night before you go to bed or when you get up in the morning to to stretch like is that something you do or um I wouldn't be a huge man to do that no. Um, I'd rather, how would I put it? I, obviously I'm studying, um, the sports massage, so I, I have uh, a better understanding of the, the muscles and the joints and stuff and how you can influence them. So I kind of, I'd rather just, I suppose, stretch them in a different way with like foam rollers or a slither or something like that. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a great fan of, of, you know, I don't believe that every muscle has to be stretched. Other muscles have to be strengthened rather than stretched. Mm. Um, so that's, I kind of judge how my body is reacting to what I'm doing. If I don't feel stiff, there's no need to stretch, you know? Um, and if I'm, if my hamstrings are a bit weak, you know, I do more on those. Um, and obviously different, different other things like, but, to answer your question, I wouldn't be I wouldn't have a, a strict routine, 10, 15 minute strict routine every night to, to to stretch, no. And before you go on to stage, how do you get your head in the right space, uh, right, yeah, right place, really? Um, you know, obviously everyone's different, but is it true self-talk or is it true visualization or what what is it? Because you are smiling, you're one of the main people on the stage that be hitting, you know, you'd be slapping your hands and you'd be shouting, you know, that can't mm-hmm. be easy every single night. Um I just love being on the stage. I, I like, I had the crack on stage. I, I, I think it's very, very important to have the crack on stage because if you, if you're on stage and if, and if you're frightened and if you're overthinking things, you're more likely to do, to make a mistake. It's more natural looking if you're having, having the crack and obviously there's different routines where you have to be more serious, but like before I go on the stage, everybody would, would kind of be like, you know, cheering up each other and, you know, having the crack behind stage. Because if, if everybody was just sitting down and just concentrating on everything, it would be too rigid, I think. Um, it's different for, for, for the, the, the principal dancers. They, they kind of have to get into the zone because the, the spotlight is completely on them and um, it's, a, it's a harder routine for them. For them. But... I think it, it's uh, a very important thing where where people are just, you know, they're having a laugh and they're they're in a positive mood before you go on stage, and I think that reflects your performance. Hundred percent, hundred percent, definitely. And do you like? Would you consciously or subconsciously practice visualization? You know, I suppose naturally you probably would of routines. Would you? Yeah, yeah, you would. Yeah, because obviously every, every venue changes from from one to the other um, and obviously different goals you know obviously um, everybody wants to be a principal dancer in, in river dance and you just visualize yourself doing that the whole time um, mm-hmm. it's the same thing with, with, with football like your your visual like visualization is, is massive in football where you're you know it's, it's it's in your head and you're picturing you taking on your man and going for a score and different plays here and there like what um, yeah, there's there's people who who would definitely use visualization before before the the show. You hopped up on the the stage um, or on the table in the in the Hogan stand. Was that on impulse or was it planned? If you did win it, um, I was going to do it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously we'd have to win first, but um, yeah. 
obviously I knew, I knew uh, Taikinelli did it and somebody else did as well, I think. Um, yeah, I just I just said like this moment that I won't get again because it was my last year and minors like so. I said, "Fuck this! I'm gonna jump up and have the crack." And that's that's what I mean by I didn't care who was watching. You know what I mean? Like it's I'm here to have the crack and um, have fun. And it was the adrenaline just <laughs> the adrenaline kind of pushed me up there, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that that like that year for for yourself. Um, a lot of the the public school lads was amazing. He won the Hogan and you won the, the All Ireland as well. Yeah. Can you just kind of give us a brief insight into that into that year? Obviously, you weren't doing much dancing. I say, were you? <laughs> Actually, I was. I was away. <laughs> I think I missed three and a half months of sixth year alone. Jesus, two different, two different um different tours. Like I was in Russia for for three weeks. I was on that UK tour where, where I flown from from one venue to play a game with, with the pub was called. Um, that was for a month and just through different things. Um, there was a lot of dancing going on. But again, as I alluded to earlier, like that's that's who I am. And so that's how I got through that year. And we'd we'd great, great success with, with the pub was called. And that kind of kick started the, the four or five in a row that we did with the with um the Carnivore and um, with, with, the, with the Hogan Cup as well. I think it was three in a row with the Hogan Cup. Um, mm-hmm. But then onto the minors uh, under Jack O'Connor, then we'd, uh, there was a, a lot of the public school fellas were uh, playing with the minors that year. And that was a great year as well. M- mighty year. No injuries. I was able to dance. I was able to play football. And that kind of brought the best out of me in, in both elements of it then. Okay, there's a massive ele- elephant in the room here. Like, how in the name of God did you keep education up as well? And how do you keep it up when you're? I had a very strict routine. Like, um, I did great in my leaving cert, which I was very, very proud of. Um, like, I had a strict routine when I was in sixth year because I knew I was going away for these tours, and that I was that I was training. I was missing missing uh, days in school as well because of matches and trainings and all that. So I had to, I had to stick with the, the strict routine of going studying, um, and thankfully it paid off. And like, as I said, if if I if something kind of if something popped up that I wasn't expecting, you know, during the week, it would probably stress me out a bit that it was kind of interfering with, with with my actual schedule of of studying, um, because I knew I had to have that regime to to be able to, you know progress with my education because I didn't want that to to suffer because of the dancing and the football but thankfully it didn't and um like as I said it was just down to the routine that I had well like for example what would that schedule be like, like would you have to been up extremely early in the morning you know to, to um, I probably would have gotten up maybe an hour an hour before before I would usually get up um and then in the evening times when I didn't have have training, like I'd be straight up after school, and probably be up there until ten or eleven, just studying. And I learned best by obviously, if you understand something, you know, you it sticks it sticks in the head more. Um, and I was just constantly writing out things and picturing that, and I kind of had a, a photographic memory, thank God, and it, and it paid off, paid off, and <laughs> when I was in the hall doing the leaving cert. Good, good, good. And it's amazing how, how people can, you know, keep everything going and you know, your credit to yourself that you you stuck you stuck to that. So time management was was key oh, and is probably huge. still key what That's you're doing as well. Absolutely, yeah. Um you know, when you know you you were in with Kerry then and you didn't go away with Riverdance for a period of time. Um what was it like, you know, being in with Kerry seniors and, and lining out for, for Kerry? Obviously it was a huge, huge privilege. We're in, we're in the Kerry George at senior level. Um, I did it at minor and junior level, and then when Peter rang me in two thousand and nineteen, you know, it was it was great. It was um, you know, it was I was obviously hoping to be called in sometime. It was obviously a dream of mine when I was young, mm-hmm. um, and it was it was brilliant. Um, it didn't go really the way I why I planned it uh, injury wise. I 
pulled two hamstrings on my right, two hamstrings on the left, an LCL in my left, left knee. Um, and I was just getting back from injury and another injury would come. And so I was just hampered with injuries. Um, and like, when, obviously, when you're inside with the Kerry Seniors, it's, it's, a, it's a full-time job. You know, the, the commitment level is just 110%. You're there and you're nowhere else. Um, and when, when Peter rang me, he said, you have to give up the dancing. So that, you know, I think that played a huge, huge part in how my body reacted to that training load. It broke down. Jesus. Because all, all, through, all through the years when I was playing football and dancing, I never got injured. Ever. And then one year where I stopped one completely, the body just, I'd say it just got into shock. Because when I was doing both, it kept my body robust and strong. And it's kind of like sucking the, the diesel out of a car and just hoping that it would just run anyway. It's interesting, yeah. So, like, it didn't really... Obviously, when I was playing, you know, th- things were happening. Um, I was, I was, I was uh, on the panels and stuff. Um, but then just these little, little niggles just happened and gave me setbacks. And then that was it then in 2019. Yeah, t- so, t- you know, you... You know, you obviously got that that point um, against Galway. Um, I think it was one of the one of the quickest ones. It was, I know, sorry, it was, yeah, it was towards the end. Um, yeah. And just, um, you know, when, when you came on against Donegal, uh, you got a red card quick enough. Was that, you know, looking back at it, was that kind of just a rush of blood to the head or was it something that shouldn't have been really a red card? It shouldn't have been, well, this is this is this isn't coming from me now, but the, the linesmen and when I was up at the, the CCC up in up in Dublin, up in Croke Park, they said, no, nah, shouldn't have been a red card at all. Um, I, I was struck in the ribs and the neck by that same player, and I just open handedly pushed him into the back. And obviously then the, the ref saw it as a striking action. But oh, Jesus. That was my claim to fame, 90 seconds in Croke Park. <laughs> I think, I think the other Tomato Shea threw up a tweet the first Tomato Shea to ever get sent off in, in Crow Park. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one right. I'm waiting to get him back. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> and yeah, like, look, how and why did the, you know, the period we carried in come to, to an end at that time? I'm, I'm obviously not saying the doors closed because you're still yeah. extremely young. Um. Obviously, after those injuries, like, well, firstly, when, when, when you're with Kerry, like, I, dancing was my livelihood. So mm-hmm. when, that, when that stopped abruptly, I, I had a lot of spare time in my hands. I was going home after training, thinking about football. I was going to bed at night, thinking about football. I was waking up, thinking about football and going to training, thinking about football. So my head was just mind boggled about football. Um, <clears throat> And I think life is all about having that balance. You know, if, if you, like yourself now, if you're dealing with the real estate down in Dubai for day in, day out, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, your, your head too will, will get boggled. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like anyone, anyone in life, if they're doing one thing forever, you know, you'd get sick of it. Um, and when the campaign then finished against the against Dublin in the Ireland final, the, the replay, obviously there was county championship. Um, and then at the time, Riverdance were in, in Killarney at the time doing a run there. So I was doing that. And I just, after the year I had with those injuries and coming back from injury, playing, getting another niggle, I just didn't have any headspace for it at, at, at that time. And that's why I took up the rugby at the time. Because I just, just wanted to a break from the football um, and obviously then I, I played a few games with, with West Kerry um, and just the, the attitude wasn't there they weren't my best performances and obviously then the, when it comes when, they, when the county championship was such, such a pivotal part of, of the county selection I suppose um, you know more people you know put their hand up in the county championship and it's just 
that's all that's probably how it ended was it difficult you know you know if if the opportunity ever came again um to put on the, the green and gold jersey would you would you be open to it yeah i'd have a different i'd have a completely different mindset now but and you probably Absolutely. keep up to dancing though somebody if you could because obviously that I, that works for you yeah it might work for the people I'd have to like I, I as i said i went playing rugby which is a hugely physical sport yeah. i was dancing and playing rugby and i never never got injured jesus so like you know month, i think it was a month or two after it was actually a month after um i finished playing football i started playing rugby and just never got injured and, and because yeah, you know, I was going to ask you, like, was it the, you know, was it the ground? But obviously, it wasn't the ground. I'm sure, rugby pitches wouldn't be the best anyway. To be honest, no, was... you can be playing in bogs and rugby pitches, like. Yeah, Jesus. So the... That for me, I think was a, was a kind of, I wouldn't say final nail in the coffin, but it was a kind of light bulb moment that right, you can't be playing a high level sport again if you're not dancing because your your body is just. It has to do the two, you know. It's amazing. That's that, that's amazing because obviously, you know, that works for you, but it mightn't work for someone else. It just, yeah. it's, it's yeah. just really knowing your body, and for other people to be open to that as well. I suppose is is yeah. the is the big thing. Do you find it difficult? Um, well, you see, you probably still are kind of like you still are identified as a small shade the dancer and the footballer. But was there any? I suppose you know in your head. Did you find it difficult not being identified as as the footballer anymore? Um, well, I was always still playing with my club. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. Obviously, you know, obviously not not with Kerry, like, but Kerry footballer, yeah. Um, I'd love to obviously get back with the Kerry team. Um, who knows that's going to happen, like, but um, no, it didn't really didn't really affect me all, all that much because. I still have my club and, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's the most important thing, like, because that's where, that's where you started at day one. 100%, 100%. Just before, we're coming towards the end now, and just before, like, where you live, literally, it's way, way back behind Dingle and you're looking out at the Blaskets. Um, and, you know, as I always say, like, background there next stop America you know and people over here is like wow that's far away you know but um you must have spent a huge amount of time and do spend a huge amount of time in the car how do you deal with that for your body how does your body deal with that yeah like that's uh, I think when we were training with Kerry there in, in 2019 we were training four days a week uh in Kearns or Killarney so that's an hour to Kearns um and Clarny then during the summer would be an hour and a half. So, you know, you're spending three hours a day, four days a week in the car. So that does accumulate. And obviously when you're sitting in the car, like your back would get tight and your hamstrings and your, your hip flexors and everything would, you know, they start getting tight and short. So obviously it's, I probably leave earlier to get to the place sooner and then to get out and just stretch and just loosen out the, the, the body. Because obviously uh, the, the amount of time you spend in the car is, is crazy really. And now with the COVID, you know, teams weren't allowed to, you know, take a bus. So they, they all had to, dr- to drive individually. Um, and whenever Kerry were playing up in Dublin or up against Donegal, you know, that drive up there was just ridiculous. So like, yeah, when you're driving, and even if I'm going off on tour, you know, we'd usually be flying out of Dublin or, or, or Shannon or whatever. But yeah, they're, like the amount of time you spend in the car does have an, uh, an impact on, on your muscles and your joints. So it's very, very important to keep them loose and not to, to avoid injuries as best as possible. What has been the biggest challenge in your career to date? When I say career, that's your dancing career or your, your football career. Biggest challenge, um, I suppose, learning and finding a happy medium um, in terms of being able to do the both. Would that be 19? Would kind of 19 yeah. allow you to open your mind to that? Yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. Um, 
and now that I do have that, you know, it's it's. I have I always have that kind of benchmark to to know right. I need to get that headspace. Need to get that balance. Um, and then when I do get that, then I know that it's going to bring out the best of me. Like, so that I think that would be the biggest challenge. And obviously, you want to avoid injury at, at all all possible. So just to get you know get that headspace going and know how how well that will benefit me as a, as a performer. To date, who's been the biggest influence on your career? Um, I suppose I'll be shot if I don't say my family. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with Christmas around the corner. <laughs> um, I suppose, obviously, my family and, and my girlfriend um, come into it. But, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have an idol, as per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd always surround myself, like, with like-minded people, with, with good, positive people. And I think that's what drives me on, you know, that's, I think that's, I suppose you'd maybe look up, look up to them or, you know, you just kind of want to be the best person of yourself. And, you know, you want to be, you want to be around people who feel the same way about themselves, you know, not, not cocky people, but, you know, people who are driven, who are determined um, and who who want to be the best version of themselves, really. That rub off on you then, that's, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And what would um, be two daily non-negotiables? Mm. Yeah, I get this. This gets everyone. This gets everyone. <laughs> you mean an example? <laughs> so I was told by um, an Olympic rugby player, rugby sevens player, that he just, it just, he got caught for ages and he said, he puts on the left sock before the right sock. It just, he said he just does it subconsciously and it's like obviously non-negotiable and it's kind of like a routine now as well. Like, and obviously look, ringing your parents and all that, but something, something, uh, something enjoyable, some, something f- funny, you know, like you probably do uh, subconsciously. You might think of it now after the interview. Probably like I, I'd be kind of superstitious. I would throw yeah. on the right shoe. I throw on the right shoe before the left shoe. Um, and another non-negotiable. Uh, I don't know. Some, I suppose it, it's kind of more, more in football that I probably have more, more of the superstitions because it's such a, it's it's an open sport. Anything could happen. So I'd probably wear the same kind of. Um, Under Armour shorts. You know, if if I had a good performance last week, I'd probably wear the same ones the next week. Just to, you know, superstitions can be kind of weird like that. But yeah. putting on the right shoe or the right boot or the right dancing shoe, um, before the left would be probably non-negotiable with me. And you know, attire as well. If I if I perform well or if I dance well, in in a different kind of outfit. I'd, I'd try and wear the same thing as, as much as possible. Jesus. And do you think that would have came from just, I suppose, things worked out for you wearing those things before and that kind of yeah. evolved? Yeah. It'd be kind of judged on how, like, if I did well in, you know, in a performance, I'd be like, all right, let's do everything now to kind of mimic how last week went. I'd be like, all right, let's think of what, what worked well and what didn't. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, do you, you know, we I, we we've covered most things now, but recently enough, um, maybe it's about two months ago, whatever it was, two or three months ago, you met uh, Patrice Evra, Jamie Redknapp, and Freddie Flintoff. Tell us about that. How did that come about? Was it just on? Did they just walk into the pub, or what happened? That was a great day. They heard there was great Guinness and Cruiser, so they they had to come in. Plug there, yeah. <laughs> Um, I'll be getting a raise now from your man. <laughs> no, um, they contacted the the pub, a league of their own. were coming down to the to the pier, the most fort, um, the most photographed pier in the world, Duncan Pier. Oh yeah, yeah. And they were, they were doing a challenge um, with the sheep, who could drive up the sheep the the pier the quickest. Mm. So they were based down in Cruders then for the day. Um, 
and I just got chatting to, to Patrice about sport and about dancing and everything like that. And he was intrigued by it. Um, and I said, look, at the dancing shoes out there, will I just show them to you? Um, and he said, can you make noise with them? So I said, I can. So I threw on the shoes and I got chatting and then he took the video and uh, posted it on the Instagram. Um, and then sure it went kind of viral. Um, but most importantly, most importantly, he was a gent, very, very approachable. He was down to earth. He gave everybody uh, time of day. He, he was, he really wanted to, you know, to, to mix with people and he wasn't shy, you know, um, and even with COVID there, like, obviously there was protocols, but, you know, they were all, we were all tested for, you know, we had to have all these tests done and social distancing and all that kind of crack. But um, he was just dead sound and so so was Jamie Redknapp and, and, and Flint Taff. They were just gents and you wouldn't think, you know, I suppose there's a stigma around famous people that that they're, you know, they're they're stubborn and that they're they're cocky and they don't they're arrogant. But not with these guys, no, they were dead, dead sound and it was a really enjoyable moment anyway. And what did he think of the obviously you know, I saw the video, but like, you know, chatting after, what did the boys think of Irish Danton? Did they ever hear of Irish Danton? They did, yeah. Um and actually they were going up to they were going to the UK uh, with Riverdance three weeks after that. To, they were actually in the show. All right. Yeah. 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 So they actually learned. I actually, um, I taught ever some of the routine that he'd be learning and he was just gobsmacked with it. With it. And he said, like, if he would have known, you know, how, how the Irish dancing would have benefited him in his earlier days, you know, he would have looked into doing it and, and, you know, to, taking it up. Um, he was just gobsmacked and, you know, how, how fast you could move your feet and all that. Jesus, that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, yeah, look, soccer as well, like, because it's obviously in football, you can use your hands, but with soccer, it's all about the feet and, you know, you, you can't, you can't fall over your feet. So obviously with the dancing, you, you kind of have to know where your feet are doing and you kind of, he, he knew that relationship of the art dancing and the, and the, and the football and how it, it would relate together. So he was very intrigued by it. It's funny how he uh, tagged, was it Robbie Keane? Yeah, it was Robbie Keane, I think he tagged. Yeah, yeah. I'm Robbie Keane, yeah. <laughs> um, look, we'll, we'll wrap it up there tomorrow because I think we covered a huge amount. Um, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for coming on Inside View Podcast and look best luck with everything going forward. Thanks a million, Jamie. Pleasure. I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Tomas. I think we get a great insight into his career and hopes for the future. That is all from us on this week's podcast. Please do get in contact with the show if you'd like to contribute in any way possible. Be sure to follow us on social media. Over on Instagram, it's at underscore on the ball team building. Over on Facebook, on the ball team building. Over on Twitter, at we are on the ball two. That is digit two. We're also on TikTok, on the ball team building. And you'll find us on LinkedIn, on the ball team building. That is all from us on this week's podcast. Please do have a lovely week enjoy the christmas celebrations and hope you have a safe and prosperous new year thanks to each and every person who has listened who has contributed who has downloaded podcasts over the past year have a lovely week and be sure to tune in next week we have another exciting guest till then stay safe and remember cred on it fan talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening